This is the Knowledge Bandits Podcast. I'm your host, Arum. I'd like to thank you for joining us today. Let's start the show. This is the Knowledge Bandits Podcast, and I'm excited to bring you today's guest, Mr. J.R. Kanu. JR is a founder at the Design Institute of Lagos, a product, experience, and innovative design firm teaching people how to establish and nurture creativity in their lives and organizations. Uh, Kanu, I've given just a very brief introduction telling people who you are and what you do, but can you expound a little bit? Um, thanks for having me here. I started a small thing, like a fun innovation experience and product design firm in Lagos. It focuses on design thinking as a way to help people innovate, help them think through problems differently. And I'm excited to be doing it in Lagos compared to anywhere else in the world because, you know, Lagos is home. Great, great. Nigeria is home, yeah. Great. And uh, can you tell us a little bit about your background? I know you're a fellow Calvinite. Can I can I say that? But uh, yeah. uh, can you tell us a little bit more about your educational background and what led you to uh, the Design Institute today? Educational background. I mean, there are the basics, which I'm guessing you know already. <laughs> um, but yeah, went to Calvin for undergrad, mechanical engineering there. Um, spent a year hanging out with teenagers and getting them ready for college um, in Jersey City before going to grad school mm. and um, grad school was at NYU. I studied journalism mm. um, focusing on magazine writing and worked in magazine writing for a little bit, mm. um, I think two years or so, two and a half years or so. Okay. Um, this was Black Enterprise, CNN, um, Esquire and um, joined the United Nations Millennium Villages Project. And that was Nigeria, Senegal, Haiti, Mali, before going off to business school. It was in business school that I discovered my love for design thinking because I spent quite a bit of time at the D school at Stanford. And um, my first experience was actually a class that I took that showed me how easy really it is to to be creative in the way you, you solve problems. It, it was, you know, mind opening was pretty great. And I thought, oh, I should do more of this stuff. Mm-hmm. And the next time I got to do it, I was actually teaching it um, to people at school. And so it's kind of just been a part of the way I do work now. And I'm um, excited to make that more formalized through the design institute. Hmm. That's, that's really interesting. And for some of the people listening, can you explain a little bit what design thinking is? It is, how do I put it? So maybe if we start by talking about what design looks like. Mm -hmm. When you think of how your typical artist or designer thinks, right? Mm -hmm. Or anyone who's just in the creative, just I guess just looking at creative processes. Creative processes, the best ones are open and playful. They still land you at genius, right? Mm -hmm. But they... But they are iterative, they're collaborative, they take inspiration from any and everywhere, unlike what we have in typical business settings where they're the right way to do this. We are linear thinkers. We only look and do the things we've always done. There's this kind of almost shackle, or there are these shackles around the way things are done. Mm. And applying that same creative process to any kind of thing, you now find that there's some basic things that 
every good design process includes. So you start off by looking at the world. So even if you're writing a song or you're drawing something, you're always observing. So that's, the, that's where it starts. So mm. it's this idea that genius or innovation is not a stroke of, of, not a stroke of lightning, right? It's actually a repeatable process. So you start by observing the world. And the same with that, you know, you observe a heartbreak or you observe a flower and decide I want to paint that or I want to write about it. And then you crystallize the, the idea in your head. Um, and for, for many people, it's, okay, it's going to be a love song or I'm actually going to do a painting or maybe it's going to be a sculpture, whatever it is, you, you decide um, almost like the question you want to answer, right? So you, first you're just observing, no judgments, just looking. Then you, you find that there's a question that needs to be answered. And then you, um, you're brainstorming. And that brainstorming process in business means throwing up all sorts of fantastical as well as practical ideas on the wall to see what, what might lead to exciting outcomes. But then if you look at the, um, the design process, it's writing and rewriting and rewriting a song. It's, you know, it's drawing and erasing. It's letting yourself the license to try and retry stuff, which, again, these are things that become very expensive processes in, in business because we wait too late to see the outcomes of our actions. But when you have an, like a playful iterative process where you're saying, hey, what's the cheapest, fastest way I can see whether or not this thing is true or this thing is not true, then you actually start finding interesting ways to test your ideas before they become large business pro projects. And then mm. you build prototypes. And now this is the fun one, right? Because mm. if you wanted to see how some idea of yours would work, as a kid, you made belief. You built Legos. You drew something. Mm. And all of a sudden, we... You know, we don't do that anymore, but how could your funny sketches actually help you solve a problem? So before going off to build that piece of software, you know, could you actually draw out the interface and take it out to your colleagues or to strangers in the street and actually have them test you know, by pressing on pieces of paper? How else could you almost simulate a reality that exists to see whether or not your thing is going to work before you go out and build it? And that's what the prototyping phase is all about. Hmm. And this is, I mean, it's a long way to say what design thinking is because it has to be experienced. It's not always great to talk about it, but really mm -hmm. just it's, it's a new way of just getting your mind to think and solve and tackle problems. Hmm. Oh, that's, that's actually really interesting. And as you're talking, my, my brain is sort of moving. The gears are turning. I'm thinking of all the startups that are uh, sort of trying to incorporate this. And through your lens, what startups do you think are doing a really good job right now at... Uh, uh, incorporating design thinking both in Nigeria, uh, across Africa, and in the U.S.? So let's see. Um, I don't know my Nigerian startup scene very well, I have mm -hmm. to admit. right? Like I've been, before now, I've been really focused um, on work at Conga, and okay. I only just um, moved on to do my own thing. And so I don't really know the startup scene here that well. Mm -hmm. um, but let's just put it this way. Most startups know this stuff now. Now, how well they apply it, um, it, it's very hard to tell if you're not in the company. Mm. For instance, I can talk about how before building Conga Pay, which is Conga's payment platform, a mm. lot of this happened. A lot of testing and using paper to, to mock up your reality before building it, that happened. Mm. Um, I know that at least famously, um, Airbnb was basically in a long experiment in design thinking. Um, mm. Joe Gabia, the other founder, um, and they actually are 
self-professed um, designers. Hmm. I know that there are venture capital firms that now have designers in residence because they understand how important it is to teach their startups how to do this kind of iterative work. Hmm. And most, I believe, most of the um, incubators in Silicon Valley will have some version of this. For instance, there's um, Matter. Matter is a venture capital firm that started in, in San Francisco, but I think now has spread out to, to New York. And they are focused on creating new media companies. And hmm. they are very, very, very core on, on using design thinking. Branch hmm. metrics. Um, they help you track how your app is doing. Um, analytics for, for, for apps and phones. Hmm. Branch metrics was actually directly built out of, obviously they, they, there are many pivots in, this, in, in that company's story, but the team was formed and um, you know, was developed in a design thinking class at Stanford. Um, hmm. Let's see, who else do I know? Um, oh, there is Embrace, which is this, it's actually a, li- a literal incubator for babies that doesn't require electricity also out of a design thinking course so obviously i'm biased because as as, as a stanford alum Mm -hmm. most of the and because i'm design thinking originated at stanford a lot of what i know is the stanford related stuff but okay there are a lot out there yeah yeah wow that's that's really cool i'm definitely gonna have to check out some of those um and you mentioned a little bit conga pay i'm I'm quite familiar. Some of the people might be familiar as well that you uh, played an integral role in the rollout of Conga Pay. So can you talk a little bit about uh, the work that went into that, if you can, and also uh, mention how you use design thinking in a few specific ways? Um, so let's see. I joined the company. I'm told we need to figure out payments and Every good designer knows that before assuming you have a solution, you go out and observe. So I went on a few deliveries to watch people paying, um, whether they were paying with cash or paying with um, the POS, which is the um, these machines where it's called a POS machine here. I don't mm-hmm. think they have them in the U.S. But you kind of you slide a card into it and you you type your stuff and yeah. Mm. And those things are very reliant on having good um, internet and. Sometimes you're in a really solid um, concrete building with very poor reception and nothing's going to work and people get frustrated. Sometimes they have to run quickly um, to go to an ATM to withdraw cash because the POS thing isn't working or even the delivery guy just doesn't want to deal with this because it's failed so many times. Hmm. And I was like, hmm, okay. That was, I mean, just watching people, I was like, that's interesting. Hmm. And, you know, you now think, well, is there a way to make this process maybe easier, straightforward, where you're not thinking through all the various ways that um, you could get money? Sometimes people would want to just quickly transfer money to a friend or just ask a friend to transfer money to their account so they could, they could pay. Um, so I went away, you know, and kind of like unpacked this and drew something real basic and put it on a phone to look like a real app and then went out again on deliveries mm. and gave people this thing to test almost as if it was real mm. and um when people said oh hey where's this thing i'd like to download it and start using it right now i knew that okay i think we've landed on mm. the, the solution right um and so it was that 
experience that then led to the specifications that became what Congafe is today. Um, this idea that rather than wait for, so for most people who wanted to pay online, they needed to have enabled internet banking, which is kind of silly, but these are some of the decisions that are made sometimes and you just wonder who thought this through or who didn't. Mm. Um, and with, with Conga Pay was this idea of most people know direct debit in the US. Um, it's not like here in Nigeria at least, you needed to like sign an actual paper to get direct debit working and then the amounts weren't, weren't variable, so it, it just didn't really exist. Mm. Um, with Conga Pay, you basically authorize Conga to directly charge your account. It, it was done in partnership with, with, with banks. And all of a sudden, anyone who has a bank account has access to pay online. So even if the guy with a delivery um, apparatus doesn't have good reception, you can probably easily pay for your stuff on your phone or online. And it, the way it rolled out, it was, you know what? Pay online, pay before the stuff is delivered to you because it's the first time as well, this was the first time as well you could get an instant refund. So mm -hmm. most times, um, for most payments in Nigeria, when you um, said, you know what, this isn't what I ordered, I don't want this anymore, it became this long hassle to get your money. Mm. However, with Conga Pay, what kind of like let it grow so quickly was the idea that, oh, if I don't want the money, it just comes back to my account, great, I'll pay online. Mm. So that's, that's, that's the story there. Mm. That's actually really interesting. And I think what that does is uh, sort of creates a society where people are moving away from, from cash and moving towards that cashless society because you're talking about how they can get their money back instantly and there's more of an incentive to, to go online and do that. I think that's pretty cool. Right. Um, and you said something that I really want to draw out on is you need to observe before building. Uh, I, I paraphrase a little bit. It was more poetic when you said it, but um, you said observe before building. And there's this idea of putting out the MVP as soon as possible. And can you yeah. just talk a little bit about sort of, um, there seems to be a little bit of conflict there. Some people might want to just build something immediately and have people start using it and then uh, make changes as people give feedback. But I mean, can you talk a little bit about the prototyping, basically the, the blank prototype? So if you don't understand the problem, what are you building, right? That's kind of the base, the base question. Like, mm. I'm not saying, obviously, I'm, I'm a big proponent of the MVP and fast iteration, mm. but the most beautiful products happen because someone has actually done proper observations. Mm. Because what happens is someone just taps into something that you hadn't articulated, but just resonates because you're like, oh, right, of course. Right? Like that's, mm. that's, that's why certain products that you love just make sense. Mm. Or someone says it just works. And you will eventually get to it just works. But you won't know, you won't know how to get there. Or, or in fact, you won't even know what it just works looks like if you haven't done the hard work, the upfront work of observing. Mm. And observing doesn't need to be this long, drawn-out process. Because in general, like there's this kind of like loose rule of thumb that you can get 80% of the issues that people will deal with from looking at up to like five to eight people if you observe them very carefully, right? Mm -hmm. So it's not like, hey, don't build, don't work quickly, but spend a day or two and actually listen. And listening doesn't have to be a conversation. It can be just watching mm. or talking, right? Um, yeah. Hmm. No, I really... I. Definitely like what you're saying. I think 
the bandits who are listening also are starting to understand how design thinking can make the startup process so much easier because I mean, talking with entrepreneurs uh, quite often, you see that they have an idea and they just jump into it and they encounter problems. Usually that's their first sort of test at entrepreneurship. But I hope the bandits who are listening now really take into into, into mind this idea of uh, design thinking. And so moving on, I mean, I could I could talk all day about the concept of design thinking. I'm learning a lot right here. But we also want to know about you as an entrepreneur. So what fires you up in the morning? What's your morning routine? And why is that routine so important to you? Okay. Uh, morning routine. I, I'm usually up before, well, these days before five, and that's a problem. <laughs> um, but between 5.30 and 6 o'clock, I am at the gym. I am back home roughly around 7 or between 7 and 7.30. I am like showered, changed, breakfasted, and either having my morning devotions because I'm a person of faith, I'm having morning devotions and talking to Jesus in the car or before I get um, into the car. Um, Sometimes it happens at the office, but like these are the, like that's my morning routine. It is wake up, go to the gym shower, change, you know, meditate, whatever you want to call it. Mm. Um, pray and be like, oh, God, help me because I'm not wise enough to figure this thing out on my own. Mm. Um, and then roughly by 9 o'clock, the work day starts. And usually I should have, you know, already like, assembled a list of things that need to happen for that day. Mm. And yeah. the this list that you're talking about, is it something that you physically write or do you just sort of keep it in your mind and, and go throughout your day? Across so the on, 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 on good days, so what, what happens is, um, so my coworker and I, so thankfully I don't, I don't work alone anymore. Mm. Um, I'll verbally say these things and she gets in the habit of writing, um, but I also have a physical list um, here because both of us need, need to keep each other accountable because mm. you might get off track and it's good to have someone there to say, hey, have you done this? Mm. And it's a physical list, actually. Um, when I worked at Conga, there's actually this notebook that I would carry everywhere, and my to-do list was in there. It's not every day that I'm really good about the to-do list, and I hope no one listening <laughs> starts beating himself or herself up about how he or she does not have a to-do list um, mm. mindset. It just Sometimes it just works out, and there. There's a list I can cross things out. Um, sometimes it's post-it notes on the window next to me, it's but yes, there. I like having physical reminders to to get me through the day. Nice, nice. Lots of calendar reminders as well. Okay, nice. And I think I think it's kind of important to write it down. Whenever I write things down that I need accomplished, it's staring at me throughout the entire day. You put it in a place. You put it on your laptop. You put a post-it note on your keyboard. Whatever the case is, it's looking at you all throughout the day. So I think it it's sort of a better reminder to let you know that you have to get these things done. Um, and so one part of being an entrepreneur is having the passion, which I, it definitely seems like you have, but another part is being able to sustain yourself. So can you talk about a few ways that you generate revenue for yourself? Well, right now it is the savings from my time at Conga. Mm-hmm. I was very frugal. I, I saved, but looking back a lot of my paycheck, I didn't realize how much I was saving mm-hmm. just by... I'm very basic in the things I buy. Mm. It's cereal, milk, chicken. I don't eat very much rice. Mm. 
Um, and I guess water. <laughs> uh, I mean, there's the suya splurge that happens when friends are around. Yeah. Usually it's when I don't need to be by myself. Mm. Such, such a, a fellowshipy communal type of thing. Mm. Uh, so I'm, trying, I'm really trying to think what else goes in my fridge. Sometimes I buy cheese and I'm feeling good about myself. But mm. like that's, that's a once every so often. Mm. Um, yogurt. There's always yogurt in my fridge. Oh. It's either fresh or this other thing. But like mm. I'm hardcore Joss Boy and I love my farm fresh. Yeah. Um, but I, I really can't think of anything else that I buy. I mean there's, all, there's frozen veggies because you need your veggies in there. Um, but that's it. So when that is, and when, when you know you're buying the same thing over and over again, the rest of it just goes um, goes towards savings. Like if you live in Lagos, you can you spend. I mean, easily spend like a couple hundred dollars every night you went out mm. um, to hang out with your friends. That's just that could easily be your life here. So you have to be careful with that stuff. If that's something that um, tempts you a lot, mm. I'm not. Alcohol is not one of my vices, thankfully. Um, mm. So and everything in moderation is 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 great. Um, I'm thinking, what else? That's really was savings, right? Mm. Um, for the design institute, obviously we um, we train corporates, we run classes, so income is happening that way. Mm. Um, the other thing is, everyone at the design institute needs to have a company that he or she is running. So all the partners also have companies that are basically being incubated at TDI, the design institute, sorry. Um, and that also keeps us kind of like honest in terms of you can't just be a consultant to people. You need to be building something as well. So go ahead and figure out how to make, as long as that thing is producing revenue, it keeps you thinking about how TDI should be um, producing revenue as well. Mm. Yeah. Well, I think that's interesting. And one thing I want to ask, you said, I mean, and I'm sure a lot of people know this already, but it's easy to spend money in Lagos. Uh, for those people who are looking, who are looking to save and sort of take the same steps that you did, what is one thing or maybe two things that you can, uh, pieces of advice you can give them on how to sort of refrain from, from the splurging that can happen in Lagos? Being, I think it's very hard. That's, that's advice that's very hard to give hmm. because I, I don't want anyone not to have um, you know, a good time. I, I don't want to be a, like a, a Debbie Downer personality. Mm. And hey, listen, right? Like if you, you know your goals mm. and I think those goals can motivate you one way or the other. And it's not, it's not for everyone. Like living the frugal lifestyle is not for everyone. Mm. Um, for instance, I'm re- like so where I live is very important to me mm. and so I'll spend money on that mm. right like I, 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 I need to live in a place that I think is nice and just because and people will actually deal with stuff differently um, if you know you're about to for instance if you're moving back to Nigeria to start a company to, to work whatever it is you might think to, I mean it's easy to think okay you know the company I, A I'll get a great job or and maybe the company will cover some of my expenses, whatever it is, there are these things that you come with. But if the goal is to start your own company, you cannot live as if whatever your reality is on day one of your return to Nigeria just like stays the same. Mm. So everyone has these quote unquote, I don't know, they're not coping mechanisms, but they are frameworks. That's the word. They mm. are frameworks. Uh, for some people, it's, you know what, I will 
have a good time out in Lagos. That's where I'll spend my money mm-hmm. and everything else can kind of almost like you are optimizing for fun or you're optimizing for living or lifestyle. You're optimizing for friendships or connections or networking. So mm-hmm. you, you, you need to be really clear with yourself on why you are back here. And I think once mm-hmm. that happens, everything else just kind of, um, just kind of stays, uh, fall, fall, falls in place. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, that's, that, that's just me. So, so okay. I mean, there's so many ways you can kind of like lose track, right? Like yeah. easily, because also because of what Lagos is, you know, the Lagos big boy or big girl thing. <laughs> it's a, where do you live? What car do you drive? And where do you spend your money? Mm. And I am very comfortable and my friends know this. I'm like, I don't need to be seen eating anywhere. And that's just, also that's a very, I, I don't know. Like, I think you find many Joss people doing this because I think we've just <laughs> it's, it's a very just like all the just people I knew are very much in, in this whole like okay we don't need to be like you know spurging or dollar dollar bills mm. of course you meet other people it's just like most, most of those stereotypes that you hear about what Nigerians can be mm-hmm. you tend to find right here concentrated in Lagos it's fun <laughs> but dangerous <laughs> okay I mean that's uh, a little humor sprinkled into that but no I think it's it's definitely good for people to understand keep your sights on your goal and then everything sort of makes sense when you're uh foregoing I don't a huge party with people so you can save it makes more sense to do it if you know what your end goal is yeah um and you you touched a little bit on this but I want to ask what was that move like to Nigeria and did you go back with the mindset of wanting to start a company or was it initially just to go and see if you could start a company? Oh, no, 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 no. Um, I, so let's see. I had a job um, at Amazon, and this was after business school, great offer. They were going to take, I mean, you, you, you guys know the usual thing, the whole, like, you're getting your green card dealt with. If, you, if, you're not, if you're not an American citizen, that's like why your parents are like, oh my gosh, what the hell? Yes, do it. Mm. Um, and so I was on track um, to be that person. And then I spent the summer, um, not in Nigeria, but in South Africa, and, and actually spent a good deal of it with um, people like um, Fred Swanaker and um, Achaleke, who had you know, conspicuously returned to build stuff in um, build stuff in Africa. Hmm. So these are people who are like, you know, they're like, why are you going back to the U.S.? Um, Acha asked, like, what are you doing? Why are you going back to the U.S.? Hmm. I'm thinking to myself, um, dude, I just, I just, I just want to, you know, everyone thinks that let's just sort out that whole green card thing. It's going to be great. Let's hmm. just. And then he said to me, well, you know, you, you, you'll, you'll be paying your, your tax in the U.S. even though you work in Nigeria. How does that make any sense? Hmm. Um, and at the time, he also said. Um, Hey, listen. If I had to do it over again, I actually would not even um, keep uh, my my permanent residence. And I was like, "Well, well, why would you do that?" And it made me start thinking about why I cared about this stuff. And for me, it was I, from for you know, in in many ways, grew up. Um, and by the term "grew up," I mean kind of like understood what it was to be a an adult, what it was to dream, to plan, all that stuff. Um, while I was in the U.S. So life away from the U.S. was just like unfathomable for a little, for, for a little while. Mm. And uh, but when I, when I boiled everything down, it was the reality was I just wanted access to my friends. Like the U.S. is my network. That's mm. I left Nigeria when I was 17. I don't know that many people. 
um, in Nigeria anymore. So the U.S. really is where all my, like, almost all my friends are, with the exception, obviously, of my um, of my parents and my siblings here, um, mm. some of my siblings here. And I was like, okay, well, let's consider what he's saying. So that's when the seed was planted. I had not planned to live in Nigeria for at least three, three or four years or something. Mm. By then, all the green card, citizenship, all that stuff was going to be taken care of. Um, and then I learned that with your... With, the, with your U.S. visa, once you have your U.S. visa, you actually never have to stand in line for the um, for the interviews again. I was like, I'm sorry, what? <laughs> like, <laughs> I can just automatically renew this thing and not have to go through the hassle of getting a visa every time. Hmm. With those two things in mind, the, the fact that I, I shouldn't really shouldn't be taking money that was made in Nigeria and putting it as taxes in the U.S. because that seemed wrong, honestly. That seemed unfair to Nigeria. Yeah. And secondly, that. I could see my friends anytime I wanted to see my friends um, and it wouldn't be a hassle to come um, visit them. I was like, okay, well, this starts to make sense. So actually, I turned down um, the job and the green card offer at Amazon. I was like, well, thank you very much. Um, And I'm going to go to Nigeria. And the only reason it made sense to give up something as awesome as as a job at Amazon was if I was going to be starting a company in Nigeria. And for me, starting a company Mm. meant making some kind of positive mark on the trajectory of, of, of the country um, and of Africa in general. For me, that was very important. It would mm. not have been enough to just show up and work at any old job, um, clock my nine to five and keep moving. Nope. Mm-hmm. It was, mm-hmm. if I'm coming back, I'm starting a company. And so um, when I was hired at Conga, I asked, can I stay six months? He said, no. <laughs> <laughs> like you have to be 18 to 24. And mm. so I took the 18, because I really, really knew that if I didn't put a, a stop date to my time there, I could easily lose track. Yeah. And I mean, funny enough, having an end date in sight at a company is this strange motivator. You mm. know, you have a short time to do something, or else you'll be, you know, I guess you'll be forgotten once you're once you're gone. Like mm. I just didn't want to not have an impact at Conda. And yeah. so knowing that I had a ticking countdown for 18 months mm-hmm. it was so motivating just figuring out how to how to do stuff mm. so yes i'm finally doing something entrepreneurial i'm very happy about it and to answer your question that's the reason i came back because oh that's the other thing um Acha also said something um obviously he was quite instrumental in my decision mm-hmm. i guess um he also said something he's like let's be honest with ourselves right like you work and um, i mean maybe this combination of acha plus business school at Stanford because Stanford is very big on entrepreneurship mm-hmm. and one professor there, um, let's see. Anyway, you don't care about the professor's name. So let's just go. <laughs> um, but he was saying, okay, let's look at all the, all, all the, like your net worth as, as a person over time. Mm-hmm. If you just do your good nine to five job, maybe this is what happens, right? The odds are that you maybe have a net worth of like, you know, three to five million, blah, 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 blah. You do the entrepreneurship thing, the odds are, right, that you will fail. Those are the odds. Like, mm. you know, one out, of, uh, one out of 10 startups succeed. Mm. However, you always go back and get a job. So once you start a business and take off, you still have the option of going to work for someone. That option never leaves the table. Mm. But if it does succeed, then you are someone who's making an impact of the hundreds of millions. Not, I mean, not necessarily your net your um, personal worth but mm-hmm. the impact you can have in society in the world is that large and for some companies you know as you know like it's even in the billions so like 
if you're someone who claims to want to make a difference, what does it cost you to take that leap of faith and actually um, try entrepreneurship if that's what you think you're called to do? Hmm. So I, I'm, I have that, in, you know, I have that in my mind um, after graduation. I'm in South Africa. I'm talking to Acha, and he says something similar about how. And at least when you move back to Africa, you're in Nigeria or in any of these other African countries, we just have more access to these places than we generally do when we're elsewhere. A, because the competition is not as much, that's true. Mm. But I mean, if you're not good at your job, you're not good at your job here or anywhere else, right? Like, mm. let's not think that this competition is, is, is quote unquote easier. No, 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 no. So mm. the other thing he was mentioning was it's just because you come in with really good skills because you come in with that passion and that drive doors start to open to you um people if you people will give you more responsibility than you would so in the u.s 10 of you have master's degrees 10 of you are generally good thinkers so it's you know it's you're making these incremental movements in your career in nigeria where really it's i mean it's still a work in progress and it's very hard to find great talent once you are seen as someone who gets things done everyone wants to work with you. And I've seen mm -hmm. that happen here. So, mm. I mean, within, I mean, I had not even been a month working at Conga and I was already working with um, bank directors and, um, and the, I guess, MDs is what they're called here. But, like, very senior people that I had no business meeting. Mm. I'm setting up a payment system and setting up, you know, setting, writing legal documents. All these things are just, like, would never happen anywhere else. Mm. Um, but imagine how much personal growth was happening during that time. Yeah. Professional growth was happening. These are just... The person I am today is so much more confident and educated, you know, just because of that experience. And that's something that just would not have happened if I hadn't, um, if I hadn't come back here. So mm. to answer your question, I think I'm actually totally off point right now with the question, <laughs> but that is how I ended up um, making the decision to, to move back. Hmm. No, I think that, I think that's a great, I love when people go off in tangents because you're getting sort of this holistic look at what it's like, what the decision was like moving back. Because it is, I mean, for, for a lot of people, it is a scary decision. But um, I think this is the design thinking coming into play where you sort of systematically lay out everything that was happening around that time that led you to that decision. Um, There's one thing I need to add, though. Um, yeah. I don't, I, I, shouldn't, I shouldn't make it sound like it's for everyone, right? Like, mm. um, I had my offers for work and not just at Conga as, um, not just at Conga as well. Mm. Um, but it helps to have a solid education that people really value and want in their companies. Mm. It helps to have uh, like some, some place to know that you can sleep and eat if, if everything goes wrong, right? So I'm not, I don't, I don't want to be, what's that word, hypocritical and say, you know what, everyone make the, make, take the leap and, and move back to Nigeria. That's not where I'm going with this, but it's, mm. I think most people know. You know that you can probably, you know, make it happen. You probably, you, you, you know that you probably want to do this more than anything else. And for me, that's what it was. I knew where I really, really wanted to be. And being um, at Amazon was just going to be this halfway house between where I was and where I wanted to be. Mm. And living that life, I think, is a dangerous thing. Like, mm. humans don't live their best lives when they are in purgatory. Mm. You know? Like... Just for me, I, I mean, that's obviously I'm, I'm imposing my my mind, my mindset on, on other people here. But really, if there's something that you badly want to be doing, something that you think you are like called to be doing, then what else? What other business do you have doing anything else? Hmm. Hmm. 
I think uh, I think you've said it you've said it perfectly. I think um I mean even on me right now I'm thinking thinking through a lot of the decisions I've made. It's it's quite impactful and everyone I mean you take what JR is saying, but it ultimately the decision lies with you. So um I mean if you're sort of in this purgatory as JR put it, I mean you, you got to look through your options. You got to make a decision. Um, and so moving forward a little bit, uh, now that you've taken the leap into, into entrepreneurship, uh, f- from Conga, what would you say has been one of the hardest moments you've experienced so far? Oh, working with people and by, yeah. let me qualify that just like putting a team together. Hmm. Um, I think, when you so there's something to be said for that amazing Protestant work ethic in North America. Mm. I mean, people need to talk about this stuff, especially the Calvinistic, you know, like you 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 kind of eat what you kill. You mm. like he who does not work should not eat. It's very much like listen, you are put here to do something. You better be doing it, and you shouldn't be satisfied with being mediocre. You should push your like. It's something that I, I think we, many of us just take for granted until you start, unfortunately, working with people who don't have the same standards as mm. you do. Mm. And you run the risk of lowering your standards. You run mm. the risk of being a person or a version of yourself that you never want to meet. And if you decide, okay, that's not happening, then you, you, you're in the opposite category um, where you just will not be liked. Because you're pushing, oh, not by everyone. You can't be like by everyone. But on right. average, if, if someone is quite happy being a big fish in a small pond, right? Um, you pushing that person to actually look at life on a grander scale can be very painful. Mm-hmm. And so w- getting your team just right as an entrepreneur is, I mean, it's the number one thing that I, that I talk, to, um, talk about with all my friends that are entrepreneurs. So before I became an entrepreneur, all my friends who are entrepreneurs would, would tell me, sorry, would ask me, where can I find good people? It is so hard, blah, 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 blah. And I remember being like, oh, no, you're just not, you know, nurturing them well. You're just not doing this well. And then I, I, I dealt with the first time. I was like, oh, I mean, great example. I mean, in a country where it's hard to find work, right? I mean, someone believes because he or she is really good at his school or her school, um, they don't respond to emails proactively. They go days without talking to you about stuff. And this is, this is a person who is looking for a job, by the way, right? Mm-hmm. Um, they are offended when you, when, you, when you have them actually go through an interview process as, as opposed to just like bring them in because they met you and you had a good conversation. You're like, I'm sorry. Why would I let you into my company? I don't know you like that. Like a good mm-hmm. conversation does not make an employee make. Mm-hmm. And this is, this is real. Like you will deal with this. Or even at a company, you are, you're saying, oh, no, no, no. We can't just go from this step to this step. We need to think through this. We need to put this in place. Or why wasn't this thought of this way? And you start to realize, hmm, just being Thor and just having a standard that is, I guess, the best you possibly could, could set it at is not the way ever. I mean, think about this. A lot of the, the educational systems that we've built um, around Africa have been very much the answers at the back of the book. The answers at the back of the book. So people aren't really good at dealing with ambiguity. And so mm. you're either really good in your one thing or you're 
kind of not good at anything else. And that's that's a big problem. Hmm. Hmm. Wow. And I think I, I think that's sort of great to hear for those people who are actively starting their companies wherever they are. I'm sure that they run into these problems a lot. So um, that it's something to take to take in. Uh, and sort of on the other side of things, what is one of the moments where you felt like starting your business, starting the Design Institute is what you needed to be doing? Take us to that moment. I just really want to understand what it was like. It's always when people use the product and have this, where has this been all my life moment. You're just like, mm. nice. Um, mm. And so I guess I should say two things. It's, it's that feeling, but also specifically when someone tells you they thought or they couldn't believe this was a Nigerian product, hmm. right? Because we've just come to, I guess, accept or expect mediocrity. Yeah. And so when they see that you're not just ripping off something that exists in the, somewhere else in the world, it's like actual original thinking coming out of Nigerian minds. They're like, oh, hmm. wow. And there's, it does something to our, our psyche. It, it, it uplifts us in that small way that is awesome. And so hmm. that for me, that is, that is money right there. Hmm. Hmm. I like that. And I, I tend to get that a lot from entrepreneurs. It's not when you get your first check. It's when someone comes to you and is, is expressing their gratitude for the work you've, you've done. And with that, we're going to move on to the rapid fire round. Are you ready? All right, let's do it. All right. So what, was, what would you say was initially stopping you from taking the step to be an entrepreneur? Time. I just needed experience. Hmm. Hmm. And at what point did you stop looking at your business as a project and more as an actual business? Incorporation. Hmm. What quality do you have that most contributes to your success as an entrepreneur? Stubbornness. <laughs> nice. And what quality do you think you need to improve on most as an entrepreneur? Hmm. I've been told that I could be not as rude. <laughs> I, that's jury still out on that one because I think part, yeah sometimes being rude gets you where you need to go. We'll see. Yeah. All right. Still learning. <laughs> and what's the best advice you've ever received, and who is it from? Hmm. This won't be rapid fire because you asked me. Think <laughs> best advice I've received. I think it's got to be from David Dodson, that professor, just mm. around this entrepreneurship thing. Almost the whole like, what's the worst that can happen? Because hmm. he, he he's the one who said, in 18 months, we'll have a conversation and we'll see how you're doing if you're still at Conga or if you're starting your own thing. Mm. And yeah, but it's true. What's the worst that can happen, really? Mm. Um, it's, again, it's not for everyone, but for me and for other people who know they have options otherwise, what's the worst that can happen? Yeah. And what advice would you give to a younger version of yourself just starting out? Uh, take more risks. Like, mm. Do more interesting stuff. Mm. Be ridiculously like unpredictable and hungry. Um, yeah. And mm. probably I'm, I'm wondering if I would like change my major, but like, no, cause it was a good thing that I did that major. And anyway, but mm. yeah, I think just, yeah. Hmm. Take more risks. I like that. What are you reading right now? I'm not reading. Hmm. You should ask me what I'm watching. Cause I watch a lot of TV. <laughs> okay. What are you watching? <laughs> Let's see. Um, I was watching Vikings. Um, mm, sadly, I'm waiting for Suits to come back on the air. Although Suits is getting kind of stale, but still, still love it. Um, mm. lot, there's um, why am I forgetting this? Lots of Big Bang Theory. Mm. Um, lots of the New Girl. Schmidt is funny. Mm. 
And what was the, oh, I'm not proud of it, but um, (laughs) not proud of it at all. But um, (laughs) Daredevil, because like it's just, it's gratuitous. Yeah, it's it's, it's gratuitous so-called action fighting that is just like, just, I don't know. It was great and then it's kind of losing its way here and there. I don't quite get anyway, but yeah, not proud of it. I mean, I was going to ask the question about guilty pleasures, but I think that covers it. <laughs> oh, yeah. Part of part, part of explains how little sleep I get is maybe because I fall asleep watching television. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so what is one internet resource or application that you couldn't live without that's excluding Google, Amazon, all those all the really big ones? I don't, I, don't, I, don't, I don't think people have really explored what Google Docs can do for them, but you said no Google. Mm. Um, so let's let's go somewhere else. Ah, mm, let's let's do that one. There's this thing called the Envision app. So if you're someone who is often designing interfaces for technology, mm. um, Envision has a pretty good kind of just like suite of things to help you figure figure stuff out. Mm. Um, and I this is another one of those where like I hate to say, it, but like I really like Snapchat. <laughs> All right. Like, yeah, yeah. I mean, listen, like, just watching people's lives in like quick succession is kind of interesting. Yeah, I'm not really active on it like that, but watching is pretty. I think, yeah. You know, I mean, I have to say that a lot of people kind of scoff at that a little bit, but there's a reason that Snapchat continuously raises larger rounds. <laughs> <laughs> no, great. I'm looking forward to like figuring out how to like properly incorporate snapchat into into my startup mm. oh yeah yeah it's gonna be awesome nice and to close out the rapid fire round do you feel like you've made it yet what of course not are you crazy no <laughs> yeah do you think you'll ever get to that point i don't know <laughs> i don't think about it i just oh, okay. i just like doing stuff hmm. i have a goal to like do fun interesting creative stuff that matters as long as i'm doing that making it doesn't have to be a destination ever mm. nice i mean i think that was a great rapid fire round very fun and uh sort of rolling back to one of the questions uh what is one book that you would recommend to the to the bandits ah uh, oh no i would definitely okay let's see Ooh, it could be see. it could be up to three there is a book that I am reading right now. I don't know if I should be recommending it to people since I haven't finished it. So let's wait until I've finished it. I'm not even a third of the way through. So, okay. Um, someone else has probably said this, um, but I really like, uh, what do you call it? Half of the Yellow Sun. Mm. Not the movie. It should be read, especially if you're coming back to Nigeria um, and just don't know. It, it helps to explain just the ridiculous weirdness that is this country. The fact that we have a three-year war that just no one ever talks about, mm. ever. Mm. So awkward. Um, so that, that's, that, you know, it really is. Mm. So that's one. Um, Mindset. Mm. It's by Carol Dweck. And if, there, if there's one book that kind of was, yeah, so Mindset by Carol Dweck. That was a badass book on mm. the... Um, just how you think about things and how you think about, you know what? I can't do this yet, but I can learn how to do it. Just being open to, to learning stuff. Hmm. Um, and if people are into 
like other kinds of reading, then I'm a huge, huge, huge proponent of um, anything by C.S. Lewis, specifically mm. the Screwtape Letters mm. and Mere Christianity. Mm. But seriously, seriously though, anything by C.S. Lewis. That includes the Chronicles of Narnia because that is just yeah. false right there. Hmm. Nice. Um, I think from those three books, we can sort of shape and and sort of make assumptions about who you are as a person. I think that's that sort of <laughs> <laughs> sums it up. Probably, actually. Yeah. Well, well done. And as as we as we're about to say goodbye, how can people connect with you on Twitter, email, website, LinkedIn, all that stuff? Let's go with LinkedIn because I'm very easy to find. Jr. Kanu, LinkedIn, mm. easy. All right. Yeah. All right, and we're about to leave, but I usually leave with a with a final question. So you're tasked with building the greatest business the world has ever seen. You can bring on any two people, living or dead. With you taking the lead, who would you bring on and what would you do? Hmm. Yeah, Sergey Brin. <laughs> <laughs> um, I would bring on Sergey Brin and this might be sacrilegious, so I won't do that. Um, <laughs> but, you know, but you'll know who I thought of when I say this next person because that's also just like... It's, 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 it, they both border on the sacrilegious. Um, nah, it has to be. It has to be. Ooh, no, no. Okay. This is, I like this question, by the way. I like this question. Thanks. So, Sergey Brin and Oprah. Hmm. Think about it. Yeah. You can write whatever code you want to write, and you can speak and connect to people however you need to connect to them. Like, what else do you need in a product or a company? Hmm. Wow. I like that lineup. I, I've gotten Oprah. I haven't gotten Sergey Brin yet, but definitely not that combination. I think that would be that'd be quite interesting. I know. Like what? Yeah. Can go raise money right now. <laughs> <laughs> nice. So there you have it: Sergey Brin, Oprah, and Jr. taking the lead on that team. Well, Jr., it's it's been really fun for me today. I appreciate you joining us, and I'm sure the bandits appreciate it as well. Cheers, everyone. Thanks for having me. This is the Knowledge Bandits Podcast. We want to thank you for joining us today. Don't forget to subscribe on iTunes, Overcast, or Stitcher. You can also follow Knowledge Bandits on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. And as always, Bandits, stay inspired.